I've entitled the message this morning, Without the Resurrection. Without the Resurrection. We are now two Sundays away from the celebration of the Resurrection Sunday, uh, of the resurrection of our Savior, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Over the last couple of Sundays, we've examined the cross and some of the things that took place on the cross. Last week, we looked at the payment that took place and understanding that the payment on the cross... The shedding of the blood of Jesus was the payment for our sin. But understand this also. Without the resurrection, the payment would mean nothing. Do you hear that? Without the resurrection, the payment would be nothing. We could believe in Jesus that He died on the cross, that the payment was made, and when we die, we go to the grave just like our Savior was in the grave If he was still in the grave, that's where we would still be. There would be no salvation without the resurrection. So we're going to look this morning at what it means to what would happen without the resurrection. In talking last Sunday about the payment that was made, we do, we believe that that payment was freely given. It gives us a free gift Something that's already been paid for. I I made the point, I think, very clear last week when we were talking about donuts. That gift has been given to us. It has been laid out there for us to freely take. And all we've got to do is be willing. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It is going to be that rejection of that free gift of salvation that we will be held accountable for One day, if we refuse it. Today I want to look at the importance of the resurrection and what the world would look like without the resurrection. Let's begin by looking at the scriptures in Matthew chapter 28. Now, I've got a key scripture this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let me go ahead and read that. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verse number 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 12. Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? And we'll get to that in a minute, but understanding, Paul is writing this to the church at Corinth. It would be no different than this assembling here this morning and me standing up here preaching about the resurrection, and there being a group of you saying, oh, there's no such thing as a resurrection. That's what was taking place in Corinth. Some people in the church has denied the resurrection, and, and then some people believed in the resurrection. So we need to look at the importance of this resurrection uh, feat that Jesus took on. Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 6. This is what took place on Resurrection Sunday. It said... In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and others, Mary, to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord had descended from heaven. He came and he rolled back the stone from the door, and he sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. And the angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear not, ye... For I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, 
as he said, come see the place where the Lord lay him. Now, I want you to know that this, these ladies were coming, you read in some of the other Gospels, they were coming with spices. They were coming to anoint the body of Jesus again. They were asking on the way, they said, how are we going to get the stone rolled away? They weren't worried about that. They were going anyway, and they were going to do what they could to anoint the body of Jesus. When they get there, they find an angel. The angel is sitting there in raiment that is white and, and glowing. And the angel says, wait a minute, don't you understand? He is not here, for he is risen. And the angel doesn't stop there. He says, as he said he would do. Oh my goodness. This was new to them. I want you to know the scripture and even Jesus had told them that he would go to Jerusalem, that he would die, he would be put to death, and that he would rise again. Jesus told them that. We'll read that scripture in just a second. But they go back and when they leave, they go back to tell the disciples that Jesus has risen. Did the disciples believe them? Wow! <laughs> Watch this. In Luke chapter 24 and verse 10 it says, It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women that were with them which told these things unto the apostles. And their words seemed as idle tales and they believed them not. Huh. I find that kind of strange. Okay? Jesus has told them that he is going to rise from the grave. Mary goes and some of the other ladies and they come back and say, Jesus has rose from the grave. And the angel said it as it is as Jesus said that he was going to rise from the grave. And they didn't even believe it even after the, the ladies told them. Well, you know what I wonder? Who believed Jesus more? His own disciples or the chief priest and the Pharisees? <laughs> it makes you wonder, doesn't it? Because look what it says in Matthew chapter... Uh, Matthew chapter 27 verse 62. I didn't put that on there, did I? Okay, I couldn't find it. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 27. It's 62. Matthew. Matthew 27, 62. Now listen to this. It says, Now the next day that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priest and the Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir... We remember that the deceiver, that's who they're calling Jesus, he's the deceiver, said while he was yet alive after three days, I will rise again. Command therefore that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night, steal, away, steal him away, and say unto the people he is risen from the dead, so that the last error shall be worse than the first. So Pilate said unto them, You have a watch? Go your way. Make it as sure as you can. So they went and made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. Now, do you know how many soldiers were, were commanded to guard the tomb of Jesus? 
16. They said a when they sent out a group of soldiers, they sent them out in groups of 16. 16 soldiers were sent by Pilate, the chief priest, and the Pharisees because of this deceiver that said that he was going to rise from the grave. And they were afraid that these disciples, the ones that wouldn't even follow him, the ones that would deny him, that these guys were going to come and steal him out of the tomb. For heaven's sakes, why in the world would they send these 16 soldiers to guard this tomb had they not believed somehow that this might be possible. That this might be possible. The chief priests, the very ones that were the ones that stood up and said, crucify him, are the very ones now that are setting this watch and setting a seal over this tomb. Now understanding that they they had four watches, you take 16 men, and you divide those men up over four watches. There were probably four soldiers at the, at the tomb at all times. So that's how they set these watches up. So considering that there be four soldiers there, understand that when, when the earthquake took place, the angel descended. The Bible says that the four soldiers that were there feared and played dead as the angel was speaking to Mary. The resurrection. Everything that Jesus said would happen, happened. Including the resurrection. In Matthew chapter 20, it tells us that Jesus tells them before he even goes to Jerusalem what's going to happen. In Matthew 20 and verse 18, it says, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priest and to the scribes, and they shall command, condemn him to death and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify him, and the third day he shall rise again. Jesus told the disciples, even before they got there, this was going to be taking place. Just like he said, everything happened just as he said. So, just how important is the resurrection? Just how important is it? Again, this is the question that was brought up at the church in Corinth. For Paul had to address the question because some of the churches, some of the people in the church were going around saying that there was not a resurrection. Look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's look at this event that's taking place in the church. Now in verse number 12 it says, and we've read this one, if, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead... How say some of you that there is no resurrection of the dead? Let me ask this question real quick. The people that are saying there is no resurrection, are they saved? They're in the church, are they saved? That's the question I'm asking. And how do we know that for sure? Because Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, For if we'll confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in our heart that... God has raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. Listen, you can believe on Jesus. You can believe that he existed. You can believe that he was a good man. You can believe that he was the son of God. You can believe that he died on the cross. If you can't believe that Jesus rose from the dead, the Bible says you can't be saved. I sat there and I talked to a young man at at youth camp. 
He was a boy in our church. He was about 12 years old. And I said, I said, Travis, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Oh, yes, sir. Do you believe that He died on the cross for your sins? Oh, yes, sir. Do you believe that He rose from the grave? He said, Brother Wayne, that's a little far-fetched, don't you think? I said, well, no, I don't think so. But if you think so, that's, that's what you have to choose. I said, Travis, I said, you can't be saved if you can't believe that Jesus rose from the grave. He says, well, I can't. I said, well, that's your choice. The Scripture says, in order for you to be saved, not only do you believe that He's the Son of God, that He died on the cross for your sins, but you must believe that He rose from the grave. Without the resurrection, there is no salvation. And I pray that one day Travis realized that, that he had to believe in the resurrection in order to be saved. These people in the church that were saying, I, it, I, they might have been deacons in the church. They might have been the associate pastor in the church. But I'll tell you one thing, they weren't. If they did not believe that there was a resurrection, they were not born again. That's what the scripture says. So when we see this, verse 12 again, it says, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead... How say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. In other words, he's still in the tomb. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain. And your faith is in vain. In other words, there's not a foundation for the faith that we have. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he rose up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead raise not. Listen, if you don't believe in the resurrection, you're lying to yourself. You see what we're doing? If we say that Christ is risen and he has not risen, we're lying to ourselves. We're putting all of our faith on something that's fake, that's something that's false if Christ actually did not rise from the grave. He continues on. He says, For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. You are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ, they have also perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all of all men most miserable. But... Now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that sleep. He is telling them and he is preaching to them, we must understand that Christ is risen from the grave. Most important message that we can preach today. So let's look at this. If there is no resurrection, if it is as some in the church at Corinth was saying, what does that mean? Watch this this morning. If Jesus is not risen from the grave, then Jesus is not at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. If Jesus is not at the right hand of the Father interceding for us, then every time we pray, our prayers, they don't go anywhere because there's no one there to hear our prayers. There's no one there to intercede for us. There is one that intercedes for us and that is Jesus Christ who is our intercessor. That is who intercedes. If Jesus has not risen from the grave, then we have no one that's believing or hearing in our prayers. Let me ask you this question. This is evidence of the resurrection. Is there anyone in here that has ever prayed a prayer 
that God has answered. There's evidence of the resurrection right there. Because without the resurrection, you have no intercessor for prayers. But we know that Jesus hears and answers our prayers, and it's because He is interceding on our behalf. Notice this. If there is no resurrection, if Jesus is still in the grave, our hope that we have in Jesus coming and taking us out of this world and taking us into a place called heaven, the rapture is a myth. If there is no resurrection, there is no one coming for us. Oh my goodness. Where is our hope? Without the resurrection, we have no hope of an eternity in a place called heaven. There is no hope that Jesus Christ is going to return. There is no hope of a millennial kingdom that the world, the Bible teaches about. There is no hope of a king of kings and lord of lords. If Christ has not risen, there is no hope of a rapture. All of those who have passed on, that we have hope to see them again one day, those hopes are vanished. We have no hope without the resurrection. Whew. Praise God for the resurrection. Praise God for the resurrection. If there is no resurrection, the Holy Spirit has still not come. We have no hope. We have no peace. We have no joy. And that song we sing, Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all fear is gone. Because I know He holds a future and life is worth the living just because He lives. That song is a fairy tale without the resurrection. And I want you to know, we... Hey, listen, if you know Christ, we experience that joy that passes all understanding, that sees us through situations that we cannot comprehend. He gives us that peace. He gives us that comfort at a graveside where our loved ones, we know that are being buried, but we know that they know the Lord. I want you to know we have that hope that we'll see them again one day because... Of the resurrection. <laughs> now I know that there are times when someone comes for baptism and sometimes they're very young and sometimes they're very old and they're afraid to get into the water. I had an 88 year old lady that I baptized and, and she, was, she, was, she was petrified to get in the water. Now, she might have not got completely baptized because she was really concerned about her hair. She put one of them rubber caps over her hair so, so that after church her hair would be dry. But sometimes we're afraid. or Some people are afraid of baptism. Baptism represents the death of us dying to ourselves. And we being buried in ourselves and being we raised with Christ. Without the resurrection, this is what I should be doing. Because let me tell you, baptism represents the resurrection into new life. Without the resurrection, I'm doing baptism all wrong. Because when we raise them up into the newness of life, it's representing 
what Jesus Christ has done inside of us, and He's given us new life through Jesus Christ. We'll look at the word, how God quickens us. We'll look at that word here in just a second, how He gives us new life and gives us birth. Another thing, if without the resurrection, again, our preaching of Jesus being raised from the grave is a lie. Our faith is founded on a lie. Without the resurrection, we have wasted a lot of money here. We need to put in a jukebox, set up a bar, do what the Bible says in in Ecclesiastes, eat, drink, and be merry if there is no resurrection. Because that's the only hope that we have is through the resurrection. We lie to ourselves. We still have to answer for our own sins without the resurrection. The resurrection, the power of the resurrection is what saves us. <laughs> I, I, I'm reminded of the song that we sang during the revival. And I, I'm sorry, I, I, I am not good at remembering words. But I remember these words. Uh, I can't even say. All my hope is in Jesus. My yesterday's gone. All my sins are forgiven. And I have been washed in His blood. There, that phrase. All my hope is in Jesus. Listen, without the resurrection, we have no hope. Without the resurrection, we have nothing to look forward to. I'll tell you, I'm driving down the road, and one of the churches down the road here has a sign on, on, on the sign. It says, now, if you don't know nothing about Christ, it says, have you been washed in the blood of the Lamb? Now, you think about that for just a second. Someone that has never heard about Jesus, never heard about religion, never heard about the Bible. Oh, my goodness. What is that saying? Have you been washed in the blood of the Lamb? My goodness, what hope we have. In Jesus, without the resurrection, there is no hope. Watch this. I never thought about this until I began to prepare this sermon. When you go through the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Romans, Acts, when you go through the New Testament, every book in the New Testament references the resurrection. Every single one of them. If there is no resurrection, the New Testament is false. Without the resurrection. I begin to look at the Old Testament. Isaiah says that there will be a king. Jesus is coming back to establish this kingdom on earth. If there is no resurrection, he's not coming back. In Ezekiel it says that the Messiah will stand on this earth again one day. Without the resurrection, that's a lie. That makes the Old Testament a lie. In Job chapter 19 and verse 25 it says, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon this earth. Without the resurrection, Job, the book of Job, is a lie. In Zechariah 14 and 3, it says that the Lord is going to come back and He is going to rescue the nation of Israel 
at Jerusalem. That makes Zechariah a lie. It makes Ezekiel a lie. It makes the book of Psalms a lie. Without the resurrection, this is just a lying book. Without the resurrection. Without the resurrection, Jesus was one of the greatest deceivers that ever walked the face of this earth. For him to say that he is going to come and that he's going to to die for our sins and rise from the grave, if Jesus did not rise from the grave, Jesus is a great deceiver without the resurrection. Matthew 27 and verse 50 tells us some of the things that took place when Jesus rose from the grave. I want you to know for years I misunderstood what this scripture said. When Jesus cried, died on the cross in Matthew 27 verse 50 it says, Jesus when he had cried out with a loud voice yielded up the ghost and behold the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom and the earth did quake and the rocks did rent, and the graves were open, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy cities and appeared unto many. Listen, Jesus, these people could not have gotten up and rose from the grave and walked among the people before the resurrection because Jesus was our first fruit. I always thought that happened when Jesus says it is finished on the cross. But the scripture explicitly explains to us that it was after the resurrection that these people who had died, these saints, these believers in Jesus, they got up and walked. And I want you to know what that was evidence of. That was evidence of the resurrection. When Jesus rose from the grave, these believers also rose from the grave. When they walked through the city, they said, well, I just went to his funeral last week. Something's happened. And they testified that Jesus has risen from the grave. This happened after the resurrection. I use this scripture so many times. I hope you've memorized it. In Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says, We confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our hearts that God has raised Him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. Saved. I want us to just take one more second. I've got three more scriptures I want to read to you. What takes place when we're saved? What takes place inside of us when we're saved? The Bible tells and uses this word in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 35. It says, But some man will say, How are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? And Paul is saying, he says, Thou fool, thou which thou sowest is not quickened except it die. Thou which thou sowest is not quickened except it die. Now he is talking about an agricultural term here. Many of us understand this. You take a dried up dead seed and you put it in the ground and what comes out of it? Life. Life. 
I am so amazed. I guess it's it's the grain of corn that, that, that really surprises me. A grain of corn, when you go buy it from the feed store, that is the dried up, wrinklest. I mean, you wouldn't want to go put that in a pot of water and boil it. it. It wouldn't be nothing. It is dead. It is dry. But when you put that thing in the ground, and it accepts a little bit of that moisture that's in the ground, it begins to germinate, and it becomes alive. Okay? Now, watch this. Watch this, the wording here. Thou fool, that which what thou sowest is not quickened, except it die. The word quicken here means to be new life. This dead seed is giving new life. When you die to yourself, you have been quickened by the power of the Holy Spirit, and your spirit, watch this, your spirit that is dead in sin is no longer dead in sin. It has been given life by the power of the Holy Spirit. You were dead in your sin and now you've been quick. You've been made alive. That's what it boils down to. And, and, and that's, that, that, that scripture, that's hard to understand just from reading that scripture. But that is exactly what it's saying. If you're here this morning without Christ, you are dead in your sin. If you're here this morning without Christ, you are dead in your sin. You need to be quickened. You need to be made alive again. The resurrection power is what makes us alive. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, it says it real simply. It says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. You hath he made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sins. Last verse. For Christ also hath suffered for sin, the just for the unjust, he that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened or made alive by the Spirit. If you're here this morning, and listen, you didn't have to understand this. When you got saved, you didn't have to understand what took place inside of you. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and you knew that He died on the cross for your sins and you knew that He rose, rose from the grave and when whosoever shall call upon Him, when you called upon the Lord and said, Lord, I know that you're the Son of God and that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose from the grave. God, please, come into my heart and save me. He did it. You didn't have to understand what took place on the cross. You didn't have to understand all the, the ins and outs of how He took your dead spirit and made it alive. You didn't have to understand that. But now we can this morning because that's exactly what the resurrection power does for us. It makes us alive. Please, please, please do not leave here without Jesus. All of our hope is in Jesus. That's where it all boils down to. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for the time that you've given us. And I am, I am so glad you've explained to us in your word the importance of the resurrection. God, without the resurrection, again, just like what Paul was saying, we have no hope. There's nothing to do but just live the best we can on this life and, 
And there's nothing to look forward to, but, but because of your resurrection, God, we have a heavenly home to look forward to. We have peace in our heart through the power of your Holy Spirit, the comforter that you have given us. Because of the resurrection, Father, we, we have joy unspeakable and full of glory. We have a peace that passes all understanding. God, we have hope of tomorrow. Thank you, Father, for the resurrection. Now, Father, as we go into this invitation time, it may be that we've taken a lot of these things that we've just mentioned for granted. And it could be that we just need to come to this altar this morning and say, Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy and your grace and for the resurrecting power of your Son, Jesus Christ. It could be this morning that we need to give our heart life to Jesus Christ for salvation. Whatever the need this morning, I pray that you'll meet that need. And you'll be pleased with our decisions this morning as we stand and sing this song of invitation to you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand.